Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. So we will be taking new applications for people doing announcements. Uh, <laughs> hey, if, if you're like, I wish I could do that sometime. We have a thing called Crash Course. It's a way to get involved in our church. It'll get you in touch with the right people um, to, to be able to be involved in any area. So if you're like, I want to do announcements, um, you need to go to Crash Course and, and get connected there. Um, if you've already been through that and you're like, I still want to do announcements, and I, I've been doing Sunday school, but I also want to do announcements, uh, you need to talk to Ricardo Van Cleef. I don't know where he is, but we need a whole media team to, to get stuff going. Um, around here, we, don't, we try not to do things, um, we don't do things that we're not good at. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we let fall through the cracks, um, and we just need people that are willing to jump in and do them. And when we have people that are able to make stuff happen, we do it. So that's what we do. Um, hey, it is a new year. It's a new year. It's a new season. Fresh anointing coming my way. It's a season of power. Do you guys know that song? Okay, so I grew up on God, like that kind of music. So anyway, um, hey, it's a new year. I'm super excited. The, the best part about a new year is, um, is you get a fresh start, isn't it? Right? Like every morning you get a fresh start and every new year. People, people become cynical over time, don't we? Right? No? None of you? Okay, so here's, here's what a New Year's resolution really looks like. So this is... New Year's resolution from 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to lose weight. Uh, I'm going to lose more weight. No, I'm going to lose weight again. Uh, the, the next one is I'm going to get fit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that next year. Um, number three, I'm going to give up alcohol. I, I'm going to give alcohol and cigarettes. No, I'm just, <laughs> just going to drink less. Right? I'm just going to lower the standard there. Uh, number four, uh, I'm going to stand up to my boss. No, nope, I'm going to find a new job. <laughs> number five, I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to try to be nicer to my wife. I'm going to try to be nicer to my ex-wife. Right? <laughs> and I'm going to sort out the junk in the shed. No, I'm going to sort out the junk in my life. Um, here, that's, that's exactly how resolutions are. We have great ambitions, great like, oh, I'm going to do something different this year. Uh, truth is, by the, by the end of the month, we've forgotten what our resolutions are. We get real quiet about them. Um, they're difficult. And, and I would encourage you today, if, if for you, you have a re res resolution. Um, I was saying revolution. I was like, no, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> unless it's fun. <laughs> But uh, if you're going to do a resolution, come up with practical steps, not big lofty goals. Just come up with simple habits you want to change, just simple things you want to do, rather than big goals you want to achieve. 
Um, but today, I really don't want to talk about resolutions. I, I want to talk about how to start a year out right. Because how you begin indicates how you're going to finish. I remember I had a math teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Clemens. And Mr. Clemens, when he would write on the chalk... Anybody remember chalkboards? Come on, back... Back in the chalkboard days, and Mr. Clemens would always wear dark slacks, and he'd have chalk across the front of his slacks because he would lean up against it. Well, his belly, from his belly down to his knees, was covered in chalk. And, uh, but he would say this. He'd say, how you begin this class is how you will end this class. Um, how you take the first assignment is how I can predict how you will take the last assignment. The grades you get at the beginning are a good indicator of the kind of grades you want to have at the end of the class. So today, I just want to talk about how we begin around here, how we start a new year, and uh, we're going to do it with, um, with this collection of messages we're calling Pursuit. We're basing them off of a book that I'm going to give everybody next week, and uh, we're actually not, the messages are not based on the book, but the concept is based on the book, and uh, this, this book, I'm going to have the whole church read through this together with me, and um, so get out your reading glasses. And uh, we're going to go through this together. It's really just about how to cultivate your spiritual life at the beginning of the year. I, th I think often we, um, we think everything should be instant, don't we? Right? We want God to answer our prayers now. But we forget that in the scripture, he's, he, he's talking to an agricultural society. And this concept of planting, watering, cultivating, and then growth, and then fruit. Like, we're talking about a long period of time. Like, the, 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 the seasons of life and the, the principle of God working in our life, it's not instant stuff. It's we, we participate with God, but we expect some time to be part of the situation, right? And so we want to talk about what it looks like to... Uh, to start the year out right and, and really put God first and make him number one in our life, what that, what that looks like. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a blank page. It's a great time for us to kick it off. In fact, in the announcements, the very last thing he said was we're going to do a fast. And he didn't leave. Like, he didn't get excited about it. They didn't make a joke. They're joking about everything else. They're like, fast, done. Um, we're going to be doing a fast as a church, and uh, I'm really excited about it. We're, we're going to end this message. I'll be talking about that. Um, if you've never done a fast before, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you for the next week to pray about what it looks like for you to create margin in your life for God to work in you. Okay? That's what this is about. Because um, at the end of the day, like, the calendar changed. We're in a new year. But you and I have not changed, have we? <laughs> change. I, I moved from California to Idaho, and I should be changed, but no, you're the same person you were in California. You know, like, I should be changed. Like, no, no, no. It's a new calendar. It's a new year, but this guy still likes donuts. <laughs> January 1st, 2022, I'm driving down the boulevard, and my wife points at Goat Star Donuts and says, you will not go there. You will not go to Goat Star Donut. And I just want you to know, that's not the will of the Lord. <laughs> he likes him some donuts. <clears throat> like, it's a new year, and I should be fresh and excited. And the truth is, I still struggle with the desire, the want to, to exercise. Like, I know how to get fit. I don't want to get fit. 
I do. I just don't want to do the. I don't want to do the work. Like it's a new year, and I'm still super impatient. <laughs> like I still want everything right now. Uh, nothing has really changed because of the new year, and 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 I think often we just we we think that is going to be the shift. It's really not. What changes is when we reprioritize certain things in our life. We want a new life, but we're trapped in old behaviors, old habits. And old ways we deal with God. Can I tell you today that your greatest hope for the future, it's not found in a new job. It's not found in a new life. It is found in Jesus Christ alone. And today you might have walked in the door hoping for a new season, hoping for a new day, hoping for a new vocabulary, hoping for fresh mercies that come every day, and they do. But the greatest hope in the world that provides newness in your life is Jesus Christ alone. That's the only hope we have. So today I want to talk to somebody that you're, you're looking for something new, and, you, and I'm going to give you some guidance on how to reset your year starting now. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 says it like this. Forget about what happened. This is the message. It says, forget about what happened. Don't keep going over all the history. Somebody elbow your spouse, but don't keep going. (laughs) The Bible says stop going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the bad land. This is God speaking to his children. He's, he's reminiscing. He's talking back to the time when he brought them through the Red Sea. It, just a few verses before this, he's describing this highway he puts through the middle of the, of the waters. And he says, I, I, don't you see I'm doing something new? I'm, I'm not just saving you from where you were. I'm not just putting a road of salvation through the waters. I'm also putting a fresh road in the wilderness. I'm turning what looks like a desolate place into a place that springs with waters. And I just want somebody to hear today that God's big plan for your life does not look like simply saving you from your past. It also looks like saving you towards a future. God has purpose. God has a plan for you. Really, the greatest need in America is not more Christians. The greatest need in America is more Christians with a Holy Spirit agenda, a purpose from God to activate their lives toward what he is calling them to do. That's what we need. In order to get where we want to go, in order to be successful in living for God, to experience something new, We go back to fundamentals. In us, there's always a desire for something new, something exciting, something brand new. And I just want you to know that if if I'm preaching something that's brand new, it's probably not in the Bible. Because this thing has been around for a long time, and preachers have been preaching this for a long time. Anyone preaching something new is not preaching from this book. But we do want to preach something fresh. Grandma's old recipe, baked new, is fresh. And I'm saying there are some basic things that are not fancy and fresh. 
They're just old school fundamentals that your grandma used to do or your great grandma used to do, and it changes your life when you do it. You know, so anybody know who Steph Curry is? That's way too few hands. We need, we need to be preaching about basketball. And <laughs> I've not done a good job pastoring. Uh, Steph Curry, basketball player, Golden State. He just recently broke the record for the, the uh, three-point shots in the world. Like, like the most incredible three-point shooter that has ever existed. And let me tell you what is most impressive about Steph Curry. What is most impressive about Steph Curry is that he's not impressive. You see him on the court, he's not as tall as the other guys. He's not as fast as the other guys. Like he doesn't do like behind the back dunks. He doesn't go under the leg dunk. He doesn't do fancy passes. What he does is he does what his high school coach taught him to do a long time ago. Just the basic fundamentals. He brings it up, he shoots it, and it goes in the basket. When you're in your office and your coworker crumples up a paper and they throw it across the room, they say, Kobe. They don't say Kobe when they dunk it. They say Kobe when they, because here's this thing, is great basketball players, like the ones you've heard of, they're well-known and they're very successful, not because they're the fanciest. It's because they do the same thing they learned in their junior high basketball team really well. They do the same thing over and over and over again. Michael Jordan, great guy, but, and you may think he's well-known for dunks, but what he's really well-known for is layups and free throw shots. It's, it's the idea that what makes a great basketball player is not fancy. The, the, the guys that win the dunk competitions between the legs, behind the back, 360, those guys don't even play in the NBA. They have blue and purple hair, and they are on YouTube. And they're all skinny and white. They're not on the NBA. It's the people that do the basics well that are successful. The same thing goes in your walk with God. If you want to have a great year, if you want this to be the best year of your life, it needs to be the best year of your life spiritually. And what that looks like is we, we go from just simply uh, learning about God, attending church, to actually implementing the things that he tells us to do. It's the fundamentals. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 16. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Like, like if you want to see success in this year, it begins with committing your, your work to the Lord. If you want your goals and your agendas and your plans to be blessed by God, it begins by saying, God, here's my goal, here's my agenda, here's my plans. I'm just going to commit my work to you. And this word commit comes from Hebrew. Hebrew words are, um, they're very visual. They have to do with word pictures. In fact, it's described as trees of words. Uh, Each word has a tree that it, it kind of means multiple things. This word commit comes from an idea that has to do with camels. It has to do with loading weight onto the back of a camel that you commit the weight to a camel. And you say, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, I was in Israel recently, three years ago, and I'm going to show you a video of it for two reasons. Number one, so I can explain the word commit. Number two, it makes my trip to Israel tax-free. 
So, um, <laughs> here we go. These are two gals from New Jersey getting up on this camel. <clears throat> and, and when the camel gets up, it doesn't get up like a horse. What it does, it, or it gets up rear end first. So when you're sitting on a camel, like if you're on a horse, you kind of lean forward to get up. On a camel, you have to lean back as far as you possibly can because that rump comes up and the camel's this tall. And once you get up there, the front end comes flying up. Just It's very abrupt, very jarring, and you have to be solid locked onto this camel. This is what the word commit means, is that when they put baggage onto the back of a camel, they strap it to the camel so that in the, the movement, in the jarring, in the up and down of the camel, whatever you've committed to the camel is staying on the camel. I'm telling somebody today that when life jars you up and down, when the unexpected jarring of life happens, there's got to be something inside of us that is committed that says, I'm strapped to this thing. Whether it's high or whether it's low, I'm strapped to this thing. I'm not going anywhere. <clears throat> this is what Matthew, or Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows that you need food, you need stuff to drink, he knows you need a car, he knows you need a, God knows all of that. Your job is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we put him first, when we say, God, this year, 2022, 2020 and 2021 were like a left hook out of nowhere. But I'm, I'm putting 2022 in your hands. I'm seeking you first. I'm not seeking the new car. I'm not seeking the promotion in my career. I'm seeking you first. I'm telling you God uses that kind of simple fundamental. He uses it. I, I'm a creature of habit. I like to do the same thing over and over again. Anybody else? You're people of routine, right? That's, that's me. I, when I go to a restaurant, the way I always order at a restaurant is one of two ways. The first way, if you've ever been with me in a restaurant, first way I'm going to order is, if I've never been there, I'm going to ask the waiter or the waitress, what's really good here? If I never come here again, what's the best? And if it's expensive, then I don't order that. But usually, here's, my, here's my, my thing on that, is, is I expect if you work at a place, you should know what's good here. Like, you should be an authority. And so I'll get whatever they, or whatever they say. I'll be like, yeah, that sounds really good. Let's try it. And then when I get it, I'll either never go to that restaurant again, or like, you are not an authority on good food, right? Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Or next time I return to that restaurant, doesn't matter where it is, I will always order the exact same thing. That's what I do. I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I want this because I tried it and it was good. And I want to make sure it's good. If I'm spending money, I don't want to waste my money on experiments. When I go to a restaurant with my wife, it's a little different. Because I'll ask her, I'll say, hey, what do you want? And she'll say, I don't know. I want a menu. 
<laughs> That's what she says every time. I want a menu. What do you mean you want a menu? She's like, I want options. I, like, I, I, what do you want? You want a hamburger? You want a taco? You want a pizza? Like, what do you? I want options. I want a menu. She wants to choose like all the, the, the choices. For me, I always want to shirk back to comfort and be like, nope, I'm getting the same blue ribbon cheeseburger that Red Robin got rid of. <laughs> now I don't go to Red Robin. Right? I, I, want, I want it to be very comfortable, very predictable. My wife wants options. And let me say this. In the kingdom of God, God very rarely puts comfort with purpose. Yeah. Like you're not going to find comfort zones in the same places of God's purpose in your life. Let me say it like this. You can stay where you are and experience the goodness of God, but you cannot stay where you are and experience the purposes of God. You've got to progress. You've got to grow. You've got to roll up your sleeves if you want to experience the purpose of God in your life. And in order to experience the purpose of God in your life, there are some things you must believe about him. You've got to believe that he's good. And to know that God is good is to trust in his goodness. And this is where it's hard for us. Because we've experienced tragedy, pain, disappointment, and it's hard to believe he's really good if he let bad things happen. This year we're going to be doing an entire collection of messages on this idea of, of how do we work with a God that is good but life is hard and terrible things happen. Is it God's fault that all the bad stuff happened? Like, did he cause that to happen? I think we've got a terrible habit in our culture of saying God did terrible things. The Bible says God is not tempted with evil. That's right. yeah. But we've got to trust his goodness. This even looks like the idea of sin. If we go into the new year, like, hey, this is a great first message. We're going to talk about sin. God, God doesn't declare that certain things are sin because God wants to take away all your fun. It's not because he's trying to box you in or keep you under his thumb. It's because he knows what's best for us. It's because he has a plan and a purpose for us. And so he calls certain things and says, that's not something you need in your life. Not to restrict us, but to empower us. I bought a chainsaw. Or I didn't buy a chainsaw. I was given a chainsaw. <laughs> I was going to change it. And it came with this big old thick book of like what to not do. Don't cut off your hand. Don't cut off your foot. Don't cut off your fingers. Like all these things. I'm like, I wanted to cut off my hand. Like I wanted to, I wanted to run around town with a chainsaw. No, 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 no. There's like this list of rules of how to use a chainsaw. Why? Because a chainsaw has got a lot of power. Like it could do a lot. It can do a lot of good. It can also really wreck your life. Any people watch 80s horror flicks, you know. And, and the rule book that comes with that chainsaw, it's not to restrict the fun that I'm supposed to have. I still cut down trees and laugh. <laughs> it's to focus it. 
It's to make sure I'm doing it right. And same thing goes with our life. Like God doesn't say, you need to forgive those that have hurt you because God's like, you need to relive all this pain again. You need to experience all this tragedy again. No, it's because God knows something about you that you and I take a long time to learn, and that is that unforgiveness in our life turns into a root of bitterness that eventually spoils our entire life. And so he says, you need to live with short accounts and forgive people even if they don't deserve it. Like substances. Like, like God, why would God not want me to be, like, be able to abuse all the substances that he provides? They're all natural substances. No, that's, that's fantastic. Here's the thing. There are people that take an entire lifetime to learn what substance abuse does. Or you can learn from the word of God that he doesn't want you to be under the control of anything. He, he wants you to be able to, to not be captive to other things. Why? Because he sees what it does to families. He knows what it does to lives. He knows what it does to careers. We serve a good God, and we've got to be convinced of his goodness even when we think it's unfair. This is something I do with my kids all the time. I'm like, hey, they'll be crying, screaming, you're the worst parent in the world. Any other parents ever heard that line? You're the most terrible parent. I've got three of us in here that are real. The rest of you are liars. And I'm like, you're terrible. And I'm like, hey, I just need all I need. I don't need you to agree with me. I just need you to trust that I love you and that even if I'm making a wrong decision right now, my decision is based on what I view as the best plan for you. Right? Same thing with God. That's how God works. And so there are things that seem really strange to us, but it's because he has a plan and a purpose. G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton says it like this, it is not Christianity, it is not that Christianity was tried and found wanting. It's that Christianity was found hard and not tried. We often want a Christianity that is purely about belief, which it is about belief. Saving faith is belief. But the actual walk of the faith is more than just belief. It is rolling up your sleeves and doing the doing of Scripture. Here's what the book of James says. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says if we only listen to the word of God and don't do, we're promised we will deceive ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he or she is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I want to challenge somebody today. Maybe you've kicked the tires with faith for a long time and you've been a hearer. Your spiritual rhythm has been church attendance. It's 
been coming to church, listening to the preacher, I want to challenge you and say it's more than that. That's a hearer. Let's be doers. Let's be people that activate whatever he says. We don't just hear about it, but we do it. What I'm talking about is this. He says it's the word of truth that causes this. It's, it, it, it's, it's the word of God that is the mirror. So like this year, I want to challenge you to actually read your Bible. And I know for somebody, you're like, that's a really low bar, Pastor. And my question is, are you doing it? <laughs> are you just looking for entertaining sermons? Or are you reading your Bible? Because the word of God washes over our soul. It's, it's not so much that we're reading the word of God. It's more that it reads us. It's like a mirror we hold up. And as we read it, it reads our soul. It reads the intent of our heart. It reads our attitudes and our postures and our responses to act, to change because of it. So I want to encourage you this year, especially this year may be too lofty, so I'm going to say it like this. During our 21 days of prayer and fasting, so for just for 21 days, I want to challenge you to read your Bible every single day. Read your Bible. There's this app called the YouVersion Bible app. It's on your phone. It's got like more downloads than Twitter. This thing is huge. It was a local, just a local church that decided they wanted to be, one of their mission statements is, we want to be the most generous church in our generation. And one of the ways they've decided to do that was to put the Bible in every language in the hands of every person they could. And So if you have a smartphone, you've got access to as many different versions of the Bible as you would like right here, YouVersion. In fact... More people have a smartphone than have a toothbrush. Somebody's like, he ain't lying. Now, that's, a, that's really a sad statistic on our priorities as a world, isn't it? Oh, my God. But you, you get the YouVersion Bible app, and there's, there's a lot of different translations. You can read it. You can, I like to listen to the Bible. It's, something, it's a habit I developed when I was young. You can, you can read it, you can listen to it. And you, people ask me, they'll say, well, what, what translation? There's so many translations that I'm just not going to read. <laughs> That's really what they mean. I'm just not going to read because there's too many translations. No, pick a translation that you understand, and more importantly, pick one that actually causes a hunger for the word of God in you. If you've never read the Bible in your life, do not pick up some sort of amplified, super literal translation of the Bible. Pick up like a New Living Translation or the message. Uh, pick up something that will actually make sense to you and cause a hunger to, desire, to read. Because here's the deal. I, I used an analogy last service, and it was probably not the best, so I'm going to use a different one. <laughs> I'm very good at saying things. I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. Um, reading, scripture, reading Scripture is an acquired taste. You don't just pick it up and you're like, yeah, this is amazing. It's like cauliflower baked potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever have, or let me, cauliflower mac and cheese. The, at first, it's the devil. You know what I'm saying? Your wife's like, no, it's mac and cheese. It smells like cauliflower. No, it's mac and cheese. This is not mac and cheese. This is cauliflower. 
But after you get done with the bowl, you're like, actually, I could have more of that. That's, that's not so bad. It's, it's an acquired taste. It's, it's an, reading the word of God is not hard. It's the desire to do it that's hard. And so what you want to do when you're reading scripture isn't to make this big plan like, oh, I'm going to read the entire Bible in nine months. Don't do that to yourself. Say, I'm going to read in a translation I enjoy. I'm going to read portions of the scripture that I'm finding are speaking to me. And I'm just going to look for God to speak to me through the word of God. So this year, don't make your goal to complete some sort of a task. Make your goal to be able to develop the acquired taste of scripture. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the acquired taste that is important, right? Like, I know how to get in shape. I've already said this. I know how to get in shape. I've done it before. I don't want to. I'm not, I'm not looking for that. If you want to get into the word of God, you've got to work on the hunger, the, the, the desire to. <clears throat> Here's what the word of God says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. So these next 21 days, I want you to to delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Psalm 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try him. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let me say it like this. God will never be first in your life until he's best in your life. Until you come to a place where you actually enjoy reading the Bible, enjoy prayer. It's a cultivated behavior, but it is the fundamentals. Stop looking for slam dunks. YouTube preachers that make you feel super like I'm going to change the world. No, no, no. Just learn to pray and read your Bible. You will win more battles than you will by an inspirational sermon. So, what does this look like? This is where the rubber meets the road. You guys ready? As a church, not starting tomorrow. Next week is when this is going to kick off. So, after Sunday, next week, we're doing something as a church. We do it every year as a church. But I always have to build up to it because everybody's not ready. (laughs) But we're doing a church-wide fast. I thought you were just supposed to tell me God was happy with me. No, I'm, I'm here to tell you how to grow. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> We're doing a church-wide fast. What a fast looks like is you removing something from your life to create margin in your life for you to be closer to God, okay? Um, I would encourage you. It could be something like media. Lots of people get media out of their life. They turn off Netflix or they turn off their social media um, we've had people around here fast scotch, right? Like <laughs> fast, fasting food. I think fasting food is probably the best thing you can fast. And I'm not saying you have to do all 21 days, although there are people in the room that will do all 21 days. I would encourage you to fast a day. Maybe, maybe make a plan as a family. We'll fast one day a week or one meal every day for 21 days. And what I'll do is on social media, I'll, I'll throw some just some tips, some practical tips on how to fast um, in the next week that hopefully will help you.
because in this next week, I want you to pray about what it looks like for you to fast. And then what I want you to do is get your calendar, and I want you to mark what days you intend to fast. Don't need you to tell me. Don't need you to tell someone else. I just need you to create a slot in your calendar that creates margin for God. Okay? And if you've never fasted a full day before, here's a great tip. Start in the afternoon. Fast in the afternoon through the evening. You won't be hungry. It's, it, you, you trick your body. All right. <clears throat> so during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, which kick off on January 10th, we're going to be doing prayer here at the church every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 o'clock. And even now, we have prayer here every Tuesday at 11. You're more than welcome to come join us. But during the, the prayer and fasting, Tuesday and Thursday at 11, and then Saturday at 9, we're going to have prayer here at the church. I want to challenge you. Put God first. Put God first. I promise you, you will grow. This is not a sexy message, but I promise you'll grow if you do it. And the next thing I want you to do is, next week we will be giving out this book to everybody. Um, I'm not giving it to you this week because you, may, you might start reading it now. I don't want you to read it now. I want you to read it when I give it to you. So, so we're getting this book as a church next Sunday. It's called Pursuit. It's just a prayer, devotional, and journal, and guide for 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want you to go through this with me starting a week from now, Monday. We're going to go through this book together. And then the other thing I want you to do, and I've already mentioned it, is I want you to read your Bible. Would the band come? I want you to find a way for you to read the Bible that develops a hunger for the things of God. It could be you pick a plan on your, your version app. It could be you read the same chapter of the Bible in five different translations. But for the next 21 days, I want you to set a goal. I'm going to read the Bible every day for 21 days. Can we do that? I got one. We're going to read the Bible every day for 21 days. We're not going to be hearers that, that walk away unchanged. We're going to be doers that act. People that do the things of God. So for 21 days, we're going to fast, whatever that might be in your life. We're going to pray. We're going to read our Bibles. Would you stand with me all across the room? This fall and going into the end of the year, I was praying, just asking God, where, where are you taking us as a church? What, what posture do you want us to put ourselves in for you to accomplish your will, your goal for us as a family and as a church? And I just kept hearing the same thing over and over again. I kept just hearing the Lord say, presence. I just want you in my presence. I want you to know that, church, church, listen, our goal is not to be the biggest church in town. Our goal is not to be the coolest church in town. We just want to create an atmosphere where the presence of God is well known. Yeah. 
I want you to be able to cultivate that same sort of atmosphere in your home when your kids are fighting or you and your spouse aren't getting along where you know how to cultivate the presence of God in your house because it changes things, transforms things when we know how to just get a hold of God. These songs we sing, we don't sing them to entertain you. We sing them because our goal on a Sunday is to see people saved in the tangible presence of God. So we're singing and you feel tears coming, you let those tears go. If we're singing and you just feel like you need to respond to the Lord, raising your hands towards him, then you do that. Because our goal is to be the kind of people that cultivate the authentic presence of God. Would you raise your hands all across the room? Father, right now, Lord, we commit to you this first part of our year. Lord, things that are first come first. And so in our lives, you are first. You are first and you are the last. You are the alpha and you are the omega, the beginning and the end. So Lord, we set you as the priority in our lives. We set you as the first of our year. We want to honor you as the first. God, I pray for every individual in this room that as we lift our lives towards you in consecration, that you would make yourself known to them, not through inspirational quips and quotes, but through a deep, authentic presence of God, through a relationship with you. We love you, Lord. worship the Lord together, church. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.